Yo, 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 it's YF Dizzy from the Red Pill Experience, and you tuned into the best sports show on earth, The Extra Point. What up, PL? What up, YF Dizzy? What up, ladies and gentlemen? It's your man, Meet PL Culture, and I'm back with a abbreviated daytime edition of The Extra Point Show. It's been a minute since I talked to you. I missed you. I missed talking sports with you. I have been out the last couple of weeks handling some business, but I am now officially back in the building. I will be back on radio this coming Friday uh, to talk all things sports, as I usually do with you. Looking forward to doing that, but since I've been out so long, I just couldn't wait to jump back on with you. I want to give you a little quick hit show with some stuff that's been on my mind the last week or so. But we're going to start off today. First of all, shout out to Wife Dizzy for the drop. You can catch his show, The Red Pill Experience, every Tuesday at um, FBRN.us from 3 to 4 p.m. Shouts out to him for that. Uh, we're going to start off uh, today's show with a little breaking news uh, in the NFL. Looks like J.J. Watt has decided where he's going to play, at least for the next couple of seasons. He's going to be in Arizona with his former teammate, Mr. DeAndre Hopkins. Um, signed a deal with the Cardinals today, he announced on Twitter. Um, two years, $31 million. I believe it's $23 million guaranteed, if I'm not mistaken. If somebody um, knows what those real dollars are, hit me up in the comments and I will relay that to the peeps. But I believe it's $31 million, uh, $23 million guaranteed. He's going to be in Arizona my first thought when, when I saw that uh, he was going to Arizona was, wow, Arizona, what happened to Cleveland? What happened to Green Bay? What happened to Buffalo? You know, was this a money grab? Because, quite frankly, I don't believe J.J. Watt is still worth $15 million a year, even if only $23 million is guaranteed. So, um, like my man Michigan Mike said, maybe he's looking out for that retirement fund. You know what I'm saying? His, his – um, uh, best days is probably behind him, and the, the miles on his tires keeps going up and up and up. So, shouts out to him for going to Arizona. Um, now, on the good side, if you're an Arizona fan, you add a J.J. Watt, a Hall of Fame defensive end, a perennial rusher, to a team that was fourth in the league in sacks last year, and that was with Chandler Jones, one of the most prolific uh, pass rushers in the last, what, seven, eight years? He only played five games last year. So you had J.J. Watt to a team um, that's able to get to the pass, um, to get to the quarterback the way that uh, Arizona could last year. And let's not forget, this is a young team on the rise. Uh, again, they did add DeAndre Hopkins last year. They added uh, Kyler Murray via the draft two years ago. They were just one game away from making the playoffs last year. It was a win and, and end game in Week 17 against the Rams, and they didn't even have Kyler Murray in that game. So, um Shouts out to J.J. Watt. Now, there was a lot of banter in my hometown of Nashville, Tennessee, about J.J. Watt coming to the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee is in desperate need of an edge rusher. I, for one, am glad we did not pick up J.J. Watt. We need some young, talented edge rushers, some young talent, not any more old uh, veterans that's past their prime. We did that with uh, Jadavian Clowney. Uh, we did that with Vic Beasley last year. Combined, what, $22, 23000000 million we invested in those two, and they were hot garbage um, last year. Didn't didn't give us anything, and we still were able to go 
11 and 5 and win the division. So I think that they can get younger and better and cheaper at that division. I mean, at that uh, position, as far as Tennessee is concerned, um, they can do that in the in the offseason and via the draft. So hey, shouts out to JJ Watt. Hey, you tormented my Titans for as long as I can remember you being in the league. So goodbye and good riddance. Get on out the AFC South. We will holler at you another time, player. Um, now, one of the things that, that I wanted to get into um, last week, but uh, I wasn't on the radio, but I, I still wanted to cover this because I, I believe this is a striking um, developing story that, that, that really has me thinking about this man's legacy, and that's one Tiger Woods. Um, I'm sure all of you all know by now that a couple of weekends ago he was in a pretty bad car accident, a single car accident uh, where his car rolled over. It looked like off an embankment, it looked like. And um, his uh, leg was severely crushed. He had to have reconstructive surgery. The man is 45 years old. I believe he'll be 46 in um, December. Uh, so it looks like and it looks like this could be a wrap <laughs> for your boy. It looks like this could be a wrap. And, and I'm not even laughing because it's not a, a, a laughing at the fact that, that, that his career may be over. But it's just like, wow, like how many more surgeries, how many more, you know, runs around the, the mulberry bush can this guy do? I mean, he had an ACL, what, tear in, in the early 2000s. He's had multiple back surgeries. Like he, he was actually not even – not even knowing if he was going to even play in the Masters uh, this past, uh, I mean, coming up here, uh, you know, shortly. So, you know, he looks like he was on the down end of his career. And it got me to thinking about him legacy-wise. I know a lot has been talk about GOAT discussions, especially with Tom Brady recently pulling off um, one of the most um, impressive Super Bowl runs in modern era, for, especially for a player of his age. And it's got us thinking about, Who's the greatest of all time of all sports? Who's the GOAT of all GOATs? And there were several names thrown out there. And the one name that was that was missing um, was Tiger Woods. And it really got me thinking, hey, what's going on, Duke? <laughs> you said, can anyone catch these hands? Stay tuned. Yes, they can. Um, that'll be coming up here in just a second. Um, but with Tiger Woods, this is my thoughts on Tiger Woods as, as legacy is concerned. Tiger Woods went from being like Mike to being like Mike Tyson. Yeah, he went from being like Mike to being like Mike Tyson. Let me let me let me explain. Let me let me kind of break this down on, on why um, why I say that. For starters, remember when Tiger Woods first came out and um, and he was dominating and um, and he was bringing a whole new a wave of fans to the game. He was globalizing the sport unlike any player before him. You know, he was doing the Oprah tours. He was one of the most beloved athletes in the entire world. He was dominating at a high level. He had video games. He had shoes. He had simulators. Um, he was like, he could do no wrong. And, um, and he really was at the top of his game. People tuned in to watch him dominate. And as much as the sport of golf tried to raise up people to go against him, we all knew that when it came down on Sunday and, and he put on that red polo, it was going to be a wrap. You know, he was, um, you know, what, five, six years into his career, people were already asking if he was going to pass uh, Jack Nicholson for 
um, the most majors uh, in the, the uh, history of the sport. And um, he was well on his way to being one of the GOATs of all GOATs. Um, you know, the, nobody could find a bad word to say about Tiger Woods. Uh, none of that. He was literally like Mike. There was like rarefied air at that time as far as who was the most beloved and accomplished athletes of that time, especially like in the, in the mid to late 90s um, when Michael Jordan was completing his second three-peat and his, you know, legacy as the greatest of all time was being cemented. Then Tiger Woods came along and, and started to ascend in the world of golf. And I thought, and, and I'm sure a lot of you thought as well, that he was going to be the next Michael Jordan as far as, okay, this guy's name is going to live on forever because of his on the, the grass, in his case, exploits. Because he was just that dominant. He was just that great. Everybody loved the Tiger Woods smile. He had the Gatorade commercials. He had all these endorsements. He was just beloved the world over. Then came that to know that that faithful what uh, Thanksgiving weekend, um, to where you know the wife hit him upside the head with that club, and uh, he went spiraling down the street, and you know news started to unravel in his personal life, and and um, you know not to to go blow for blow for all of the things that went wrong with Tiger Woods from that point, but he started to descend um, in the eyes of the public. He started to to lose that era of invincibility. We got to look behind the curtain and see somebody that we may not have have liked. Uh, and, and we probably wish that we didn't know that part about Tiger. It affected his play on the on the field. It affected his, um, his ability to get endorsements. Um, it affected, you know, all of that. Um, what's up, Kenny, man? Um, Yes, he says Tiger Woods was on another level. And don't you start with Michigan. <laughs> We're going to get in that, into that Friday. Make sure y'all check that out. But Tiger Woods now, if you look at him today, he's more like Mike Tyson. He's less like Michael Jordan and more like Mike Tyson. Now, I don't even mean that as a slight to Mike Tyson, but let's just be honest. Mike Tyson was on that same trajectory when he came out. He was one of the most feared people in his sport. He was dominant at a young age, and people thought that he literally was going to go on to be greater than Muhammad Ali, greater than um, some of the, the greatest boxers of all time, the Sonny Listons, the, um, the, all those, those boxers that came before him. But he started to be more noticed for things that was happening outside of the ring with the, the troubled marriage with, um, with the, the actress um, and then getting locked up in jail for the, the rape allegation and, and then losing to Buster Douglas in Tokyo. And, and once, he, once people started to see him lose and he didn't have that air of, of invincibility about him anymore, he just kind of went down. Mike kind of went down after that. Remember after, after he came back from the Buster Douglas, he recaptured the title, then went up against Holyfield and got lumped up twice. First time just got his butt beat. Got his butt beat in the ring. The referee had to jump in and call the whole whole thing off. Came back for the rematch. He was getting his hands put on him again, getting lumped up, and he bit the man's ear off. Just being known for stuff that, that was just so bizarre outside of the ring that it started to take away from his legacy inside of the ring. And I fear that that's what's happening now with Tiger Woods. This latest car crash, now there's reports surfacing that he may have been asleep behind the wheel again. Um, Tiger, let's get that Uber popping. Player, let's get that Uber popping. Um, that he may have been asleep behind the wheel. There's an investigation going on into how he had a single car accident of that magnitude. And to this point now, 
None of us are thinking that he's going to ever catch Jack Nicholson in, in majors. And we certainly aren't looking at him as one of the greatest um, sports figures of all time anymore. As each generation comes along, they know Tiger Woods more for his, his ex-wife swinging that club at his head, his exploits with women all over the world, and, and um, the, the pop, popping the pills and the being injured and, and, you know, trying to make the comeback and then falling off again. And, and like, the, the, his name hadn't been able to stand the test of time like a Michael Jordan who kids today will even consider the GOAT, even though they didn't watch him play, you know, physically. So with Tiger Woods, it's like, man, dang, man, I, I never thought that you would go out like Mike Tyson. Now, Mike Tyson, um, you know, for what it's worth, he did salvage uh, the rest of his life. He has a successful podcast. He has a, a successful business. He's done Broadway. He's had his own stage play. Um, so shouts out to Mike Tyson for picking up the pieces of his life and still being a productive member of society, I get that, but we're never going to look at him as Muhammad Ali. Never. He's never going to eclipse Muhammad Ali, and he was on pace to do that at one point in his life because he was just that cold, just that dominant. McKinney Man says, Tiger Woods' son going to be a beast when he grow up. Uh, you know what? That, and, and that would be awesome if that's the case, Kenny. And, and I'm rooting for that because the last time we saw Tiger on the, on the court, I mean, I'm sorry, on the, on the grass, he was with his son, Charlie, and Charlie was putting in that work. So, shouts out to Charlie. Shouts out to Tiger. I hope he does have a full recovery. I hope that he's able to, to quit golf on his own terms. But let's face it, after ACL surgery, after multiple back surgeries, and now you're going to have to have reconstructive surgery on your leg. I mean, his entire leg was crushed. I think it's going to take multiple surgeries uh, to get back on the field. I mean, just to get to walking again. Let alone getting back on the on the course where you have to walk 18 holes and, and they don't allow you to have golf carts and, and things of that nature. So it's going to be a long road to hoe uh, for um, for Tiger Woods, man. I feel really bad for him. And I, and I don't want him to, to turn into Mike Tyson in the sense of becoming the punchline or, or, or his story being what could have been. Um, I don't want to see him go out like that. He's meant too much to the world of sports. He's meant too much to the world of golf. He's meant too much to the African-American community who, let's just keep it real, um, our interest in golf spiked, at least mine did, and I'm an avid golf fan today. And Nick Torsley Famous, if you're out there watching, we need to get back on the course soon, man. I've I still got my, my clubs right over there in my closet. Um, so shouts out to Tiger Woods, but man, you're never going to be like Michael Jordan now. You're not going to be like that, Mike. You were at one point. You were almost his, his equal at one point, but you're not going to be like Mike. You're going to be more like Mike Tyson. People are going to be saying, oh, that was a bad boy back in the day, but that comma, but as they say, that ass always gets in the way when you start talking about but. So, hopefully this this latest but in Tiger Woods' career won't be a fatal one. It won't be the final one. Hopefully he recovers and can at the very least go on the senior uh, PGA Tour and continue his love and like Kenny Man said um, that that he passes it on to his son Charlie and his son Charlie can go on and maybe do what Tiger did and even better than Tiger uh, did uh, because like he said I don't want to see that man go out like that just nah now I've been holding on to this shut the hell up award for uh, uh, over a week now and um, it really hurts me <laughs> this really 
this really pains me to tell this particular person to shut the hell up because this is a person that I really revere, that I really respect, um, that I really root for and cheer for to do well. But um, Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, oh, Prime Tom himself, Mr. Deion, Mr. Coach of the Jackson State um, University football team, I'm going to need you to please, please for your boy, please shut the hell up. Please, Dion, you're doing too much right now. <laughs> you're doing too much. Now, th their game this past weekend was postponed because of pro COVID protocols, which we all understand that. Um, their uh, conference, the SWAC, is, is playing in the spring, which was decided months and months and months ago when they decided not to play in the fall. And Dion's debut as head coach of Jackson State University was two weekends ago. Uh, and it was uh, much fanfare about it. It was Troy Aikman, I believe, came to the game to, to cheer him on and, and to root him on. Um, you know, all of the major sports networks were covering it. Um, you know, every, every HBCU fan, even if it's a rival fan, was checking it out to see exactly how Jackson State University uh, would look with the Hall of Fame uh, personality and football player in prime time, Deion Sanders, coaching them. So they go out, Jackson State goes out, just demolishes the team that they're playing. I don't even remember the team's name because that part is irrelevant. But they go out and they win like 50-something to nothing. Deion gets the Gatorade bath from the kids. Um, Troy Aikman is, is, is tweeting, and, and, and Deion is trending on Twitter, and the kids are happy, the alumni is happy. Um, it, it, I, it was a feel-good story until he got his ass up on that podium after the game. <laughs> <laughs> Did y'all see that? Did you see what his post-game press conference after the game? He completely wrecked the whole game. He, now, he gets on, on, on the, the podium after the game, and he starts going on and on about I think he, he, he sits down and he says to the effect, y'all, I'm pissed. I'm pissed. And, you know, I'm sitting there looking like, well, why are you pissed, Dion? Y'all just won 50-something to nothing. It's your first game. The kids gave you a Gatorade bath and all of that. What's wrong? He said, Man, while I'm out there coaching somebody to win in my bag and stole my stuff. <laughs> now, I'm laughing because it wasn't like nobody was held hostage. But, but come on, what, Dion? He said, I'm out here coaching and somebody done stole my stuff. And, and he just went on and on and on about somebody stealing his stuff uh, out of his office while um, the game was going on, and that uh, one of his, his staffers caught the assailant and whatnot, um, that became a huge story. At the end of that press conference, he was like, oh, we're going to find out who did it. Oh, we're going to find out who, who's <laughs> who stole my stuff. Um, and then he says, Man, I think they stole, now, and to, to keep it, uh, you know, real, I think they, he said they stole his cell phone. So his wallet and some credit cards or something that was in a bag that was in his office. So he says, man, so he says, man, I come off the field. I'm in the locker room. I'm happy. I go to my office. I can't even pick up the phone to call my mom. I can't, I can't even pick up the phone to call my mama. And, and, and like, like what Dion? <laughs> what? <laughs> to call your mama? You are Dion Sanders. You mean to tell me none of them kids would have gave you a phone to call your mama? Now I am not making light of of theft and stealing. Because, of course, we all know that stealing is wrong. We all know that. But Dion, 
And at the time and the place and the setting of where you were, that was not as important as your team's win. Why? Because none of your none of the, the kids stole it. They were out there on the field with you. None of your kids stole your wallet and your phone. <laughs> what are you what are you talking about? None of the kids' parents stole your stuff. They were out in the stands rooting on their children. Like like that was a that was something that went on personally, and that's something I feel like you should have handled personally behind the scenes because it wasn't like they kidnapped somebody or killed somebody. We're talking about a misdemeanor, some little trinkets, a cell phone, and, and, and come on now. Now, Kenny, he says, I wanted to go to the office and call my mama. Who don't know their mama's number? You couldn't get another player or another assistant coach or staff member to loan you their phone so you can call your mama real quick after the game. Was it really that, was it really that crucial? Was it? Now, we have laptops. We have so much technology available now. You could have just FaceTimed your mama on Facebook. You could have FaceTimed her on Instagram. I mean, come on, man. It was that, that wasn't the time or the place. And given the fact that you're at an HBCU and a very high-profile hire and all of the, the, the world is watching, watching this school to embarrass the administration and the school president in that type of fashion and the kids as well. That, I mean, that's embarrassing. You come home from a from a, a football win, and the only thing people want to talk about was who stole your coach's wallet, <laughs> which was retrieved, by the way. It wasn't like this is some ongoing investigation. It was retrieved. But if you're at a, an HBCU, if you're at a historically black college university, you're already working with, with certain inherent disadvantages. You don't have the resources to have the big buildings like the University of Tennessee or University of Michigan or University of Texas. You don't get the same type of recruits. You don't have the same type of alumni with the millions and billions of dollars to pour back into your your um, your your school. Dion was a huge hire because it could it could symbolize something going forward where more prominent athletes could come back and start pouring resources back into these HBCUs, which, by the way, have turned out some of the, the best players in the history of the NFL. Jerry Rice, HBCU grad. Um, uh, Walter Payton went to Jackson State, one of the greatest running backs in the history uh, of the NFL. Jerry Rice is the GOAT um, as far as wide receivers in the NFL. Richard Dent went to Tennessee State University. Shouts out to Nashville, Tennessee. So, like, like, there's a certain level of pride that's attached to the HBCU programs as well. And for you to get out there and to be like, man, somebody stole my wallet. Like, you're just ignorant. You're just being ignorant. Now, shouts out to Langston Moore checking in. He says, hell, Wallace Dooley stole my free lunch ticket during the game. Hell, I whooped his ass. <laughs> shouts out to Wallace Dooley. I did not know that. Um, you can always count on Langston to drop a nugget on the extra point that's going to have me falling out of my chair. Remember the Brat story? Y'all got to go back and watch that episode. Um, but Langston didn't, like, Langston didn't. <laughs> Langston probably went out there and ran for 200 yards and whooped the dude ass and went on about his business and went to practice. I just think that if it's an HBCU, um, I think that wasn't the, the place or the platform for you to start start making it look like um, that, that the program in the school is just roguish because Let's keep it real. There's already people who gonna, who would be looking at teetering on sending their D1 level talent kid to a program like a Jackson State or Tennessee State or Southern or Prairie View or Grambling uh, instead of one of the major college universities. And Dion just gave them calls to pause 
thinking that those kids are roguish and that the, the teachers are thieves and, and roguish. And No, there's some quality teachers there, quality coaches, quality kids, quality administrators. Okay, somebody took your wallet and your keys, and it was probably somebody in your own damn circle, Dion. It's probably somebody you brought to Mississippi with you. And then he starts talking about, well, we want to do, we want to hold accountability to the highest level, and, and that starts at the top. And then, no, stop it. Because, Dion, I've been down here in Dallas for about 10 years, and when your school, Prime Prep Academy, that charter school, went down in flames because of financial mismanagement, you weren't so forthright to sit out there and talk about we're going to catch you did it. You was mums is the word. You was real quiet. And with that being your background, if you're making it look like that everywhere you go, drama follows you. Like, and then he tried to call out Jackson State. <laughs> the Jackson State tried to get ahead of the story and say, hey, it was miscommunication. The items were stolen. He doubled back down on Twitter and said, that's a lie. I follow him on Twitter. I read the tweet and was like, what? He said, that's a lie. Somebody stole my stuff. Like, why are you trying to give it to Jackson State University on your first game? Like, they gave you the opportunity. Like, <laughs> like I just think that that's a bad look. I just think that's a bad look, Dion, especially over something so petty. When we have kids on some of these universities committing sexual assault and beating people up, killing people and all that kind of stuff. This was something minor that I think that you could have handled behind the scenes and you chose not to do so because you just couldn't control yourself with all that media attention. Which makes me wonder going forward, are you doing this for the kids or is this another, another prime publicity stunt? We shall see. Um, but that's it. We're going to do just a quick hit today. Just wanted to get a couple of sports nuggets off my chest. We will be back on Friday at 10 a.m. at FBRN.us. I'll be right back here on Facebook Live as well. We're going to be talking a whole bunch more. Um, plus, March Madness coming up. We got the MVP race, the NBA All-Star Weekend coming up. We got a lot going on uh, with Friday's show. Can't wait to see you there. And uh, until then, it's your boy, Mr. P.L. Coulter. I am out. Peace. Yo, yo, yo. Shouts out to Kenny Man checking in. Shouts out to Langston checking in. You tuned into the best sports show on earth. The extra point. What up, PL? Then, Langston, you know you don't need no lunch ticket, man. You are the lunch ticket. I'm very, very proud of you, man. You climbed that corporate ladder like a real OG. Hope to see you on Friday, my man. Your boy is out.